Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Ng Associates, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marver, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro and have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. We are a podcaster up every Friday afternoon, and uh, you can find us on uh, moneymd.net or iTunes up every Friday. Yeah, and you can go to the website, and we have a, a button on the right-hand side that you can go link to the previous podcast, and this one as well. Uh, we have it uh, categorized by topic, so you can go and check out your favorite topic. If you have grandkids, we talk about college and things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, we make it easy. It's easy to listen to the Money Doctors. Exactly. Also, email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we'll talk about those on air if, uh, if you send those to us, but you can link to us off our website, moneymd.net, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, um, I think we have a very interesting show. Uh, you know, speaking of which, I mean, it's been a very interesting week here. I mean, first week of mm-hmm. President Trump's uh, presidency. <laughs> He's been a busy guy. He has been very busy, and we're going to talk about that. I mean, we have, um, you know, what to expect in the first 100 days of President Trump, and we're going to talk about what you've already seen in the first six days. Yeah, right. He or seven been, days, the first week or so of Trump. And so uh, he's been busy. Yeah, it's, his, it'll be interesting. His pen's running out of ink, I think. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's been already, doing some executive orders. He's already signed a dozen or so executive orders, so we're going to talk about those and um, kind of what's coming up with that. So that will be very interesting. You want to stick around for that. And then also, though, we're going to talk about the five money marriage problems to avoid. You know, there there are a lot of things in marriage that can disrupt the harmony, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And money is a big one. It is a big it's, one, yeah. It's very common. Very common. It's one of the biggest things. It can be a wedge between spouses. So we're going to talk about, you know, what are the most common ones and how do you avoid those? A very important issue, particularly for young folks and folks that are maybe just getting married, but even, of course, even, you know, 20 years into marriage, I see people all the time with oh, yeah. with money problems, and, and you can tell there's some tension there related to money. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be good. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from McKinsey Global Institute, and it's pretty interesting, Steve. You know, there are just about 5% of occupations that consist of activities that you could fully automate, you know, replacing it with um, technology or robots. But 60% of all occupations have at least a third of their daily activities that are automatable. So, you know, we see, you know, one of the positive things for corporations is is technology and automation. I mean, you talk about 3D printing and and all the manufacturing technology that goes on, and and it is a positive trend. There are some concerns from a labor standpoint. What do the the people do when it's replaced by machines and technology? But generally speaking, it is a positive trend. Yeah, people will be working on those machines. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Time to go retool and become a robot, you know, maintenance guy, I guess. I don't know. It is interesting. I mean, there's some obvious jobs out there that, 
that will be going the way of automation. I mean, we see self-driving trucks and cars mm-hmm. are probably just over the horizon. Gosh, I mean, they, they're yeah. working on those. The delivery with drones. Exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's right. You know, that, that's probably like you, coming. You hit the button and you look out your window and you got a drone dropping the package off. That's in right. In some cities, that's what they're doing. I, I think it's coming. I really do. It's it's interesting. Um, it's going to happen. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, so I, I mean, so then, then it'll be interesting to see too. Just parts of jobs. I've always thought fast food is one of those areas where, you know, they pretty much could do everything those those kids do. Yeah. Automatically, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, just with the machine, load the potatoes in a big vat and right, kick and out fries. So it would just, and it would be perfect every time. You know, <clears> machines <throat> do a pretty darn good job. Most things they do when you get them calibrated right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. That's an interesting fact. Only five percent occupations. I would have thought it would be more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have too. So. But, but a big chunk of them do have some part of it that could be automated. So. Exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to automate all my functions that I can. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> It's a good thing. I'm still looking for that automatic uh, lawnmower. I know they have them out there, mm-hmm. but I'm not sold on the idea that they really work yet. It's like a big Roomba. You know, are you familiar exactly. with the Roombas that yeah, are inside? Exactly. That, we have one. We yeah. have one. I'm not impressed with that at all. Oh, we love it. We uh, we really? are a dog shed, so it, okay. it picks it up just very quick. And um, we uh, we've had one not long, but every time we run it, it like gets stuck somewhere, and it, I don't think it's yet to complete the whole job. Ah, so okay. I've been a little frustrated with it, but um, is it an old one? No, no, it's okay. actually a brand new one. You know, it's a okay. new, new model, but I mean, we got some tough spots in <laughs> yeah, our house. Yeah, right, right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that the the lawnmower though, that's the big one for me. I'm looking <laughs> for the automatic lawnmower, and I know they have them out there, but they're expensive, and I don't think they're that good yet. But I'm I'm You're definitely going. I'm definitely going to try one of those out. Not too long in the future. Automation, I love it. Well, maybe Trump topic. will sign an executive order that uh, requires everybody to have one. Yeah. Because he's doing a lot of other stuff. Then they'll get really good. That's right. Speaking of Trump and executive orders, he has been busy in his first week, hasn't he? He really has, Steve. I mean, you know, so we're going to look at the first 100 days and what kind to, you know, what to expect. And and really the biggest challenge for for President Trump, um, you know, is following through on all the the ambitious agenda that he spelled out during the campaign trail. His first 100 days in office is certainly going to be a test. Um, You know, he's given the new administration time to learn the ropes of governing and um, also to get the relationship with Congress, and also doesn't mention this in here. Um, this is from uh, 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 Matthew Husenix, who's a reporter. Um, but there's a relationship with the media, which is at odds as well. So you know, many of Trump's most ambitious goals probably will not get done in the first hundred days. I mean, you know, the list includes completely repealing and replacing Obamacare. You know, the tax rates. There's going to be a lot of back and forth on that. Reworking the trade deals. You know, getting to the details and specifics, and and also the infrastructure repair program. So some of these things are really, really big. It's not going to happen in the first hundred days. But he has been very, very busy with executive orders. Yes, he has wasted no time with that. He has jumped right on the pen and started started writing orders. So we've got a list of 10 here that he's already done in the first week. Um, ACA rollback, that's the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, waiving requirements um, that are that are permitted by the law. Uh, regulation freeze, he's frozen all regulations. He's done some things in the abortion area um, with federal funds. The TPP, Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership, um, starting to to withdraw from that piece of it and, and you know there's got a whole bunch of other things on here that you're going to cover real quick but he's yeah. been busy <clears throat> he has been real busy he's put a federal hiring freeze on <clears throat> told agencies they cannot fill any vacancies um nor open any new ones 
um, with just a couple exceptions. And he has uh, sped the spending approval of the Dakota Access and the Keystone Oil Pipelines. He's done that immediately, um, signed those agreements. But at the same time, he said American steel has to be used in pipelines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an interesting order. So, you know, we saw steel stocks jump. You know, this week as a result of that, very interesting. He sped up the environmental reviews for all the priority infrastructure projects. Um, so he's he's issued some orders on that, and then uh, he's reviewing manufacturing re- regulations, um, and he's ordered the Commerce Secretary to begin a 60-day review of regulations <laughs> for American manufacturers, and he's going to cut. He he claims he's going to cut like some huge percentage of regulations. It's going to be bigly. Bigly. That's right. That's his new word. Bigly. bigly. I think we're all going to have to. That'll be in the dictionary by the end of the year. Our lexicon. Right. Very interesting character. I mean, yeah, he really. Is, he's been busy. And you know, Steve. You know, a lot of these are polarizing. I mean, there are certain people that yes. that absolutely hate what he's doing. There's certain people that that love it. And oh, it's going to be an out. interesting four years to see how it turns out. Um, you know, and looking back, 2020 is always, or hindsight's always 2020. And uh, there's some good things that he's doing, but there's also some going to be some things that people are going to question. So, but he's definitely been busy. I mean, one of the things that um, you yeah. know he's looking at is uh, the Supreme Court. That's another piece of the puzzle here. Yeah, that's right. He is getting ready to to try to fill the Supreme Court uh, vacancy, and he'll probably be nominating a conservative um, to that to give the right and advantage on the Supreme Court. You know, but and he has all these promises. I mean, he's already been busy with the with executive orders. There are some early wins that I think will will certainly resonate with the voters who elected him to make these bold changes, using rules and executive orders to do that, dismantling you know some a lot of Obamacare's uh, stuff, um, you know, with Obamacare and the environmental regulations that Obama put in place, be nominating this conservative to the Supreme Court. But the outcomes and timing of all this will depend heavily on how the Trump administration and Congress resolve the spending issues that will come up early in his term. You know, in in mid-March, when Congress has to raise the federal debt ceiling, or or they're going to have to default, of course, that's not going to happen. So, you know, next month when lawmakers, you know, they're going to have to pass something, some kind of uh, continuing resolution or or raise the debt ceiling, and that's going to be something that's going to come up really quick. You yeah, have to address that. That's right, and and they and they will get done. I, I agree with you, but there's going to be pushback from Republicans who who are concerned about the federal debt and they're reluctant to uh, boost federal spending. So, you know, their resistance could force Trump to scrap or scale back some of the biggest plans that he has out there. But we're going to kind of go through a list of um, some of the bigger issues that are out there that you've heard a lot about Obamacare. Um, you know, the fight over the uh, health care law will take longer than a lot of Republicans expected. I mean, the GOP has votes to repeal Obamacare, but not to replace it. So, you know, that's just as well, since, you know, a lot of Republicans don't have a replacement plan for, for Congress to vote on at this point. I'm sure they're drawing stuff up. I know they've been working on this kind of stuff, and they, they have not a lot of details in place. Um, and with Democratic votes needed for some of the replacement provisions in the Senate, I mean, Obamacare could stick around for a few years. I mean, this is not going to be, be easy. Touching. They're going to start doing bits and pieces of it, but it's not going to happen in the first 100 days. No. Another thing that's not going to happen, Steve, is uh, the tax reform. I mean, there's broad support 
among Republicans for overhauling the the tax code. But as always, you know, the devil's in the details. So don't be surprised if tax reform is pushed back until next year as lawmakers, you know, spar over which deductions to eliminate uh, or reduce to make up for the lower revenue um, that that are going to come as as reduced rates hit both businesses and individuals. So it's it's easy on the campaign trail to say, hey, we're going to, you know, reduce taxes, but actually getting it implemented, it's going to take a little while. Yeah, the, the spending is going to be the issue, you know, trying to pay for the things he wants to do and, and how he can negotiate that. I don't know. It's, you know, the infrastructure projects, he wants to improve the nation's aging infrastructure. Um, that's an issue with bipartisan support. But the bait over the final price tag, how to pay for the program, will move the measure down Trump's priority list most likely. You know, and a scale-back program will eventually pass. But not until later this year. The earliest, what they're predicting here, uh, yeah, I think, I think Obamacare, you know, replacing and repealing that is going to be kind of top on the list. Mm-hmm. That and um, and the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're starting uh, to talk about the wall a little reform. bit. Yep. Right. Yeah, trade is is another piece of the the puzzle here. Uh, the TPP trans. Pacific Partnership, um, you know, it, it's going to be a pretty quick victory. He's already signed that executive order. Um, you know, the NAFTA is probably going to take a little bit longer to do that. He's more likely to try renegotiating some of the terms instead of just completely walking away from it. So there may be some additional language covering digital data exchanges, which obviously 20 years ago wasn't a big deal. So, you know, the TPP and NAFTA are two things that are being looked at. NAFTA is probably going to be more of a longer term. And then China, you know, he had a lot of a lot of promises on the, the campaign trail about being uh, tough on China. Um, he, you know, this, this group says, you know, probably not going to be 45% tariffs on Chinese imports. Um, and perhaps a long delay on declaring China a currency manipulator. Um, you know, Trump, Trump will obviously complain about China early and often, but in the end, his his tough talk is likely going to form the basis of future negotiations with Beijing. So this guy is a really good negotiator. I and so, so he's probably setting the table up with some of this for future. It's not all about today. It may be a year or two years down the road, um, but he gets in people's heads. He does. He 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 sets expectations at one level, you know that that positions him to achieve a different level. Yeah. And I think he does that with negotiations. He starts way over here, you know, in his camp, and he's he's happy to settle for in the middle. And I think with China, that's what he's, we're going to see. Probably the same thing with some of these rules and and regulations that he's doing. Yeah, his biggest early wins will will be through rules and executive orders, as we just mentioned. There's you know ten of them. He's already done more to come i'm sure every single day you know he'll he'll end obama's ban on coal mining permits he'll speed up the federal review process for pipelines and other energy infrastructure which he's already issued an executive order for you know he'll also reverse a handful of pro-labor rules such as obama era overtime rules and he'll replace them with more employer-friendly provisions. And one key factor to keep an eye on is whether the Congressional Review Act will be used. I mean, Republicans devised the law as a check on the the President Clinton back in the 90s. Um, But so far, it has only been used once when Congress killed Clinton's ergonomic rules shortly after he left office. The act can be used as an axe on any Obama rules put into place after June 13th. But 
Republicans are likely to tread lightly because the Review Act language also prevents lawmakers from issuing substantially similar rules in the future. So they're only going to use it for things they don't want to revisit mm-hmm. in the future. But that'll be interesting, too. That's an interesting factor. Yeah, it is. And, and some of the wild cards that we haven't really talked about is Russia. You know, there's a lot of concern among Republicans and others about, um, you know, his apparent you know willingness to cozy up with uh, Putin. Um, you know, there's also been off the off the cuff comments about Europe and NATO. Um, but you know, Steve, I think it's uh, you know, it's reality is, is there's always unexpected challenges. I mean, remember George Bush? He was going to be the education president before 9/11 hit. Um, right. So, Shifted you know, years. right now he's man, he is just he's going full bore, and there's there's going to be things that are going to distract him. Come up, yeah. you know, going forward. So we'll see. It's it's interesting. Um, you know, we we believe the markets uh, are based on company earnings, and if company earnings do better, markets likely will follow. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a straight up trajectory. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs and and uh, sideways motions. So don't get caught up in all the euphoria on this. Just stay stay diligent to your plan and your and be diversified. Yeah, exactly. I'm optimistic on the market. I think earnings are looking up this quarter and this year. Um, having said that, you know things can change very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, but hey, we tipped we tipped twenty thousand this week on the Dow. Yes. So uh, first time you know ever. first time ever. So it's exciting. I, I think there's going to be more good things to come there. We'll see what happens. All right, but that's that's great. That leads us up to our question of the week. This question has to do with um, college, and uh, we get this question frequently about uh, how should I save for my kid's college. And this question specifically is: I'm not sure if my kid is my child is going to go to college, and I don't want to be caught empty-handed. What are some of the options for saving? Well, obviously, there's the the 529 plan and the ESA education savings account, which can be used. And must be used specifically for education. But right. if you don't want to save in those vehicles, there are a couple other ones that you can look at. A custodial account is one of them. Right. Um, and That's there's true. another one here. Yeah. A brokerage um, account is another opportunity. Just a regular brokerage account. <clears throat> I, I like to say a TOD account TOD, is a good yep. way to go because you can list the child as the beneficiary for the account. Um, but it's an individual account just in your name. And it's after-tax money. It can be pulled out anytime for any purpose. But I would suggest setting it aside, you know, having a separate account for I that agree. and feeding it monthly and letting it grow. Um, and then when you when, when you, you get a clearer picture of whether your child's going to go to college, you can move that money into a 529 plan, still get the state tax deduction because the money was in your name. I probably would not set up a UGMA account in the child's name. Mm-hmm. Because once you do that, it's theirs. It's theirs. Yep. And if you move it to a 529 plan after that, you don't get the state tax deduction. Yeah. So the child gets it. So that, that's useless. Right, right. They don't have any income. So Exactly. Yeah, the TOD so, account or the brokerage account is a great option. It just gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, right. You can always change later. Yep. Yeah. So good question of the week. All right. That leads up to our next topic here, and that is the five money marriage problems to avoid. Um, yeah, I mean, John, everybody knows somebody who has major problems with money and their marriage. It's just very prevalent, you know, and I, fortunately, I've been blessed to be happily married for 30 years. and She's put up with you a long time. A long time. She has, John. She's very tolerant. And, you know, I've been a planner for 21 years now, so I've certainly lived and seen all of these issues over time. And while we marry for romantic reasons, you know, marriage is also a financial union. A lot of our values, our wants, desires, they all boil down to dollars and cents. 
So some of us, you know, we might want to work 80 hours a week to try to afford a second home, while others might cut back on work and budget uh, to spend more time with the family. So everybody has their values, but anyone who who who's married knows that harmony in finances is one of the keys to a happy marriage. You know, finances also is an emotionally packed issue since it's driven from values. You know, I've heard the late Larry Burkett say, you know, years ago, show me your pocket, your checkbook, mm-hmm. and I can tell you where your heart is. Yeah. And I think that's very, very yeah, true. Yeah, it, it says that in the Bible, too. It does. You know, the bunch of treasures and... That's and, right. You know. Exactly. You know, so he, he, he said, you know, your checkbook, that's where your heart is, and that's exactly right. So if you're married, then you know what I mean. I mean, money issues are right up there with, with issues with your kids, which are very, very potent and, you know, powerful, very important issues. I mean, then if you combine the two together, it can really be a powder keg, you know, money and kids. So, you know, put on your thick skin. Let's get real and let's 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 talk about this because it's an issue that's way too important to ignore. Absolutely, and it really comes down to priorities. And you got to have a willingness to compromise and sometimes giving giving up on your pride and the things that are important to you. I mean, 57% of divorces list money as one of the primary reasons um, to split. So. You know, you discuss your priorities and every major expense um, and agree on a budget for everything. I mean, that's gonna that's the question is, do you spend the time? Should you spend the time? And obviously the answer is going to be yes, but we'll kind of go through why. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, we're all different. I mean, guys tend to want to spend money maybe on vacations and tools and hobbies. At least that's me anyway. <laughs> you know, But wives, a lot of times it's on the kids Mm -hmm. it's on comfort items it's on gifts maybe decor maybe a dependable car things that add security so you're saying guys are selfish yeah we're all selfish but in different ways (laughs) you're right though yeah we we probably tend to be more selfish than our wives i don't know (laughs) we got a little more of a respect pride thing going on i think (laughs) you know but i know i know a couple in our extended family who are barely making ends meet um but he spends money on selfish items unfortunately you know and that blows the whole budget and and then makes the wife feel insecure financially which is a really big deal to most wives um so you know if you blow your budget i mean it goes way beyond finances i mean all of a sudden you're kind of stepping on core fears of each other and that's why good communication really is the key here with finances you have to talk through and agree on these really important pitfalls that that can arise so we're going to jump right into this and yep talk about the first one <clears throat> the, the first one is one of the pitfalls is not planning a budget together and you still, one one thing you look at vacations and, and a lot of times couples are not on the same page when they're first married sometimes people like big vacations and the other person wants to spend you know gifts on kids and and, and vacations aren't necessarily the, the top priority so you, you sometimes have to compromise um you know you look at college do you pay for college uh and 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 save ahead for that or do you let the kids um we have different answers from couples coming in sometimes they say yeah i want to pay 100 percent." i had a couple this week that said i want to pay zero i want them to work and, and get that feeling of earning something and so forth so it really depends on the communication and they had they had talked about it they had they had both agreed on it so that's fine it's a fine decision. Retirement, you know, is another piece that you have to, to talk about and um, has to make it a priority. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to agree also on discretionary budget. You know, I mean, how do you how do you manage money that's discretionary, that's not like paying the, the utilities and the home mortgage and things that you know you have to pay? 
you know, one good way of doing that is using the envelope system. You know, we've talked about that a number of times. Um, you know, you just you just put your money in an envelope, and you just when it's all gone, it's gone, and that really controls the discretionary things. But you have to be careful in marriage between calling money, you know, my money and your money. Um, that can be a big mistake between mm-hmm. you know couples. Um, it can sow disunity and kind of selfishness. I mean, it can be okay if it's just discretionary money, but you have to be careful, you know. And, I mean, it's understandable in a second marriage mm-hmm, you want to keep sure. your finances separate, but you do have to be careful about that. I think um, it can create friction for each major expense, you know, whose money to use. I think it's much better if you pull your money together. Um, even in a second marriage, you know, it's 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 better if you can put as much of your assets together as possible and count it as as yours. Uh, but work up a budget together, agree on the limits, go over it together, compromise to reflect some of each other's priorities in your budget. You know, having great communication is the key here. So discuss every major expense and problem category, you know, till you come to a resolution on it. Successful couples, they talk about money often and they come to an agreement on these really important issues. Yeah, communication is key in this. It really is. It really is. And that leads into our next one, and that is overspending your personal monthly budget, you know, not respecting the limits. Everybody has their priorities, as I just mentioned, you know. I mean, for spending their money, um, it's different for husband and wives. I mean, I love to spend money on vacations and tools and golf. Surprise, surprise. You know, for Kathy, it's it's gifts. It's the kids. It's kind of creature comforts um, is what she likes. You know, besides budgeting on, for ongoing stuff, you know, my my golf, her gym membership, I mean, you have your, your own, uh, you know, Christmas, birthday, anniversary money, you know, that you kind of have to budget for, too. So what we do is we... We like to budget like $200 each for our birthday, our Christmas, our anniversary that we can spend on anything ourselves. So we can, you know, just build that up over time. We can spend it on something big, um, you know, maybe save it up on that for that. Um, But if we overspend our limits, you know, it would be a problem for the other spouse. So you have to be real careful about overspending your limits. Yeah, and you have to, uh, you know, respect those limits. I mean, if you don't, I mean, overspending is going to create distrust. It it really signals a lack of care for the other spouse, and it puts the entire system at risk and jeopardizes, you know, that, uh, that process and that relationship. So, you know, when you agree upon something, if you have to change it for some reason, just go back and talk about it. Exactly. Communication really is the key. Uh, Next here, though, is disagreeing on the priorities of spending. Mm. You know, everybody has different priorities that we talked about. I mean, what do you value? Do you value nice vacations, a nice car, having low debt, and financial stability? You know, those are kind of different. So, you know, what, what is your values? Everyone's different, and some are more practical than others. You know, I met a young couple... Um, a while ago, where the husband said, I love you with a new jag for her. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, it was totally not her love language. I mean, she just wanted financial stability and security, you know, and, and now they can't make the payments very well. So who was he really trying to please, right? I mean, so don't turn a supposed gift into a wedge in financial stress. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you got you to gotta treat the 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 buying of gifts for your spouse or even yourself in 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 context you have a budget if you want to buy something talk about it don't don't go out and buy something expensive a vacation or car because um, it's it's going to mess up it'll end up coming back to haunt you um, right. it may be fun initially but it's not a um, if it's not in the budget it's not in the budget 
That's right. Yeah, I mean, there's so many areas of conflict, you know, on priorities and things <clears throat> that um, you just need to be, you just need to be aware of. So, um, you know, make sure your priorities are in alignment. You know, next here, um, fourth on the list is kids. You know, a priority of spending, you have to discuss this. I mean, kids can really be a killer you know, for the budget if you don't agree on it. And it can be a big disagreement point. So how much do you spend on the kids? How do you prioritize that? You know, kids are expensive. And you, you add the emotion that they invoke, and it can spell trouble for marriages. So discuss kids' spending issues before you have kids, like private school, public school, clothes, mm-hmm. how much for outfits, allowances, you know, cars, braces, oh, college. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many issues. The list goes on and on. It just goes on and on, and it can it can be a huge wedge. So that's a big issue that you really, again, need to communicate with and need to make sure you know about. Yeah, and the next one here on the list is, is debt management. I mean, you have to be like-minded on debt. This can be a huge wedge. You know, we haven't really talked about Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University class, but it is a class yes. on how to get out of debt, budgeting, you know, marriage, communication, and so forth. You know, you, the questions, do you buy the car on credit? Do you get a bigger house, vacations? Um, you know, debt management is, is, it can be a marriage killer. It really can. If you don't manage that piece of it right, um, it can it can be bad news. Yeah, you got to get on the same page with that. We do recommend you go to a, a Financial Peace University class if you haven't been with that. That really gets couples I see on the same page, you know, marching to the same drumbeat <clears throat> mm-hmm. with their finances and in, in agreement with debt and you know priorities and saving and and kind of following the baby steps. So. Um, if you haven't been to one of those, you know, look it up on DaveRamsey.com and find one in your area and uh, go catch one of those. Uh, you know, it's a great class. Um, but the takeaways here is your money is way too important, you know, in marriage to ignore these issues. So communicate often. Discuss your goals. Discuss major expenses, you know, at least once a week. Compromise on your priority so that your budget reflects some of both of your priorities. Um, so that's really the message here. All right, that leads us up here to our final item. That is the prescription of the week. Yeah, um, file your taxes as early as possible. Uh, there's a lot of um, tax refund thieves out there. Um, yeah. I saw a stat that said $3 billion was sent wow. out um, last year, um, about 1.2 million fraudulent returns. Uh, two years ago, that was down to 800000 last year. So the longer you wait, the more chance that someone's going to going to get your your refund now you can get it back and so forth but there's a lot of headaches you have to prove Uh, i also saw another stat that said the the refund they're going to wait to send refunds to participants for like a month or a month and a half to to make sure everything is right with it okay they're going to delay refunds delay refunds all the the, uh, Mm -hmm. stuff out there with fraud fraud yep interesting i will point this out though you know just be sure that that you have the correct information before you file your taxes. It's nice to file it early, and it does lower your risk. But if you get 1099 DIVs, you get you get these 1099s from brokerage accounts, which all of most of our clients do. You mm-hmm. know, if they have yeah, after-tax money. That's a good point. Those do get corrected routinely in February. Mm-hmm. So if you get 1099 DIVs, I would recommend you wait till beginning of March to file your taxes. Yeah, just have everything ready to go yeah. if you work with a CPA. You know, yeah, discuss right. with them and so forth. You, but you're right; there are corrections a lot of times. You can get started on it, but I wouldn't actually file it till till mid March. That's kind of my thing. You know, with, if you get those those 1099s that tend to get corrected, but you know, if you just get money out of your pension plan, uh, you know, or Social, Social Security, Security yeah. then you could go ahead and file early. That's a good point. 
All right. Well, that's this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.